Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode brought to you by Yahoo Sports Canada. My name is Iman, and today I have a very special guest with us. I am joined by Raphael Barlow, uh, Director of Scouting for Lockdown's NBA Big Board, which, like, like I told him right before he came on, is how I'm learning so much of this draft stuff. So thank you so much for joining me today, Raphael. How are you? Yeah, no problem. Glad to be on. I've admired your work from afar for quite a while now. So appreciate glad that. To be on. I, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, so we have we have a lot to talk about. I have been trying to learn so much about the NBA draft. And here's the thing. The Raptors are in such an interesting position. I'm going to be honest. The Raptors have been a really good team for the last decade. So I've never really had to pay attention to the draft outside of one year. There was a, a, a picture that came out yesterday with like teams that have had losing years in how many losing years has have teams had in the last decade and the Raptors have had one. So it's <laughs> like very rare that I find myself. And this is a year where technically they didn't have a losing year. They were only 41 and 41, but they are in the lottery. So we find ourselves looking at the draft and paying attention to it. And I wanted to bring you on today to talk about a name who has climbed up so much, the teammate of Victor Wembanyama, and that is Bilal Koulibaly. So I really want to talk to you about him today, but we'll also get into some stuff with some of the other picks that the Raptors may go and get. So first, um, I want to ask you, actually, before we even get into Bilal, what are your thoughts on who is available or who could be available in that late lottery for a team like the Raptors? Yeah, there's, I mean, I think the draft is going to be fluid. I think after five so you can say maybe six through 13 I think they're pretty interchangeable I mean there's a few guys that are probably going to go seven and eight but for the most part I just think that it's, it's interchangeable um, there's quite a bit of guard depth and I know that's something that the Raptors need if you would ask me we're talking in, about Bilal <laughs> yeah but I mean he fits like their 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 draft history but if you would ask me back in January I would have said the Raptors need a center yeah, uh, big. They addressed that at the at the deadline. But you're right. I mean, they're in a, a really weird predicament. Yeah. And I, I want to get into the guards because I think, yeah, like I mentioned, two of the guards are going to be free agents. Even still, if you manage to retain one or both of them, both of them seem very hard at this point. But if you do manage to retain, you know, Fred Van Vliet, for example, you're still going to need another guard. <laughs> like that's still something that the Raptors desperately need. I mean, Gary Trent Jr. is not much of a playmaker. And so we'll get we'll get into that stuff in just a little bit. But before we do, and it's funny because as I was doing this draft stuff and everyone was focused in on guards, I'm like, yeah, OK, but who's like the big, long wing? Like who is that defensive, long, athletic wing that the Raptors are just going to get anyway, despite the fact that, you know, you got 10 of them at home already. And it turns out that that guy is who we're possibly talking about today. So what are your thoughts on Bilal Kulubali and how he's really risen through the draft? Um, I, I see him just r rise through everybody's boards right now. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. The first time I saw him play was January, January 22. So yeah, I was in I was in Paris and um in, in France they got like the it's called the Espoirs League and, and basically it's like 
the JV and the varsity. The varsity game is at like eight or nine o'clock and the under 21 game is at five o'clock. And I went to a game and, and, and the players that I really were going to check out were a couple players that I think are going to be in the 2024 draft. And so while I'm watching the game, I see this kid, he's long, he's athletic. I mean, he doesn't really like stand out, but he's making a couple plays and you just see how fluid he is. And it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is somebody that I may need to know, but had to go online, like on Eurobasket, find out his name and, and his age and all that. So in the back of my mind, I remember, okay, this is somebody that I think has some potential just because just like I said, how fluid and athletic he was and he was long and then he had a baby face. So I'm like, okay. So anyway, um, fast forward, he has a good summer last year playing on the French under 18 team, showed some flashes, nothing crazy. I want to say he may have averaged like seven points per game. Again, usually that's not going to scream in, in, you know, first round talent. Then I went to Paris last September. So it was at the very beginning of the season. And it was the week before the, the Metropolitans came to the States to play in the in the the showcase game against Scoot Henderson. So right. I went to the JV game again, and Bilal's a totally different player. He's blocking three-pointers. He's making plays. He's he's scoring. But again, I'm thinking, okay, 2024, this is, this is going to be one of the top international players of 2024. A week later, again, this is on the, the under-21 league. This is the JV league. So it's not like he was playing with the Mets, but he was on their roster. A week later, they come to to Vegas and they play and most people don't remember he got in that game but he did absolutely nothing he looked lost he got in I want to say in the first half of the game and I mean he just really looked lost and then you know as the season progressed he's got better and better then they had like a rash of injuries and he was forced into playing for for the Mets and I mean this is a team that's competing for the French I mean they're in the finals now actually the game starts starts this weekend but he's gotten better and better and better. Then it's to the point where now, even in the playoffs, they're trusting him to make on-ball decisions. So I said all that to say this. I've never seen a player make the the jump that he's made in the last 18 months. I mean, even back in March, I was thinking 2024. And right. now we've gone from maybe 2024 to, okay, maybe top 40, 2023 to possibly lottery pick all in a matter of, in my opinion, I would say like six or seven weeks. That's wild. That's wild. And even to just point out that they're just allowing him to make decisions. We're talking like, I think a lot of people, and I think I maybe even heard you say this, I might be stealing this from you, where a lot of people sort of look at, you know, whether it be international teams and watch their guys and be like, oh, they're trusting them to develop them into the fu- for the future. And it's like, no. no. <laughs> if they're betting on you and allowing you to play, it's because they think that you can win for them right now. It's not like the Raptors needing to give Scotty Barnes reps to do something. It's, we might not have you next year. We need to go out and win right now. So they're playing, oh, I- like, to to trust him in this role means he's just that good right now. Yeah, and that's the thing about Europe that that I enjoy because it's such a challenge you know you see a young European prospect and you're like all right can this guy play in the EYBL all right can he play in college and, and so on but what makes it really difficult is because one if a guy's playing major minutes at a young age it's because he's better than the guys ahead of him right and in, in Europe is totally different there's no draft so if you're bad, you, there's no reward for being bad. Like the Raptors, they weren't bad, 
But there's a reward. They were bad. For... They were bad to me. Well, I mean, yeah, you guys are spoiled. The pain so. that I'm sure. Yeah, you got a little spoiled. But, you know, I mean, for some teams, 41 and 41 would have been a great year. It was like when the Lakers were like, it's been a decade since we won a championship. And it's like, excuse me? Like, yeah, it's yeah. been a lifetime spoiled, for the yeah. rest of us. I mean, my team has never won a championship, so I don't know what it's yeah. like. But, yeah, so and if you're playing major minutes at 18 years old in Europe, that means you are better than the guy that's ahead of you. And also, sometimes you have to look at it like this. Sometimes a team in Europe may say, All right, why are we developing this guy just so the NBA can steal him? Right. So sometimes a team may, may say, well, we're not going to play him because, you know, we, we want him for, for next year's team or whatever. In this case, he has not only earned the coach's trust to, to play major minutes. Now we're talking about a guy that's like, arguably the second or third best player on a team in the finals and he's only 18 years old he won't even be 19 until until next month until july well next month is not july but he won't be 19 until until july so based off of what i've seen the growth that he's made over the last 18 months it's kind of scary to see what the next jump would be because he's still really raw right and he's scoring and he's been effective without like dominating the ball and 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 having um you know high usage so i'm really high on him um can i actually uh, my brain went into like 10 different directions i think i want to start off with for people who aren't familiar with this league mm-hmm. what level of competition is he going up against how does it compare to you know people who can turn on you know march madness and watch some you know more college like college athletes and kind of understand the level of competition because we see it year in and year out what level of competition is Bilal going up against and how does that compare to some of these other college athletes yeah so one he's playing against grown men and i think that's that's important um i think Honestly, I think if you put this same Metropolitan's team right now in the NCAA tournament or whatever, I guess it would be unfair because they have some guys that are like in their 30s. But I think they'd be one of the better teams. But I guess to put it in the context is we saw them split with the Ignite. Right. And and Bilal didn't – I mean, I guess you can give or take. Bilal didn't play much back in early October. Scoot didn't play the second game. But they were still competitive games. And that Ignite team is going to have multiple guys drafted. They have some pros and veterans. So even if it's, quote, unquote, a G League team, and the Ignite wasn't a good G League team. So right. even if it's a, a G League team, he's still playing against grown men. I mean, it's a good basketball. No, I, I, like I, I wanted to sort of speak to that because I feel like that's a question that a lot of people have. And so I'm just glad that you're saying he's going up against grown men, <laughs> which is something that, you know, we don't see a lot. Uh, especially stateside of a bunch of 18 year olds doing now I, I also for people who aren't so familiar with Bilal's game can I get you to give us a quick breakdown of what type of prospect is yeah I mean like if you watch his tape again from December and watch it from last week you see a totally different person his confidence has definitely skyrocketed but he's just a really smooth athlete it's effortless on one hand, you want to say he's explosive because that's usually the word that, right. you know, is, is thrown in there. But it looks so effortless that he just glides up and down the court. Um, I, I see him as being a guy that can be effective in the NBA and change games without having to have a high usage. So whether it's cutting, whether it's 
scoring and transition because he created a steal, whether it's knocking down open shots. And I know there's a big concern about his shooting. But last I looked, he's shooting like 38% from three. Now, it's not a crazy volume of attempts, but I think the touch is there. Now, the free throw percentage is in the 60s, so give or take how you feel. But, again, he's 18 years old. He has plenty right. of room right. to develop. But he's shown flashes of being able to make plays out of ball screens and show some nice reads as a passer. So, you know, if it all if he puts it all together, we're talking about a two-way guy that can defend the other team's best wing, that can score off cuts and activity and energy plays, but also be like a secondary playmaker. So I, I think the sky's the limit for him. It's like I I find myself sort of swooning over him as time goes by, but like do the just need another one. <laughs> I guess you can never have too many, uh, yeah. too many, too many guys. But like, like, hey, the Raptors do believe that you know shooting is a skill that you can teach as long as guys have some sort of touch. They believe that. I, I think a lot of his skills will transfer into the NBA. They're transferable skills. You want to have guys that are two-way guys. Yep. Athleticism is not something you can teach, but shooting right. is. It's sort of the the overall philosophy of this team. It'd be really interesting to see if they do bring him. Now, do you do you believe because he he is still so young? Yep. Um, do you believe he can make an impact on a team in his first year? Yeah, I think so. Maybe not a major impact, but. The reason I'm I'm confident that he can is because he is, like I've said a couple of times, he's not someone that needs a high usage to right. make an impact. So whether it's transition finishing or cutting or he's really good at effort plays. And I think that is what will earn him minutes early. And then once he puts it all together, then the, the sky's the limit for him. So I can't really say that about a lot of other guys because there's a lot of guys, their role is to be the star and they've only played that role. Right. He's already playing like a supporting role on a championship caliber team, which is going to be his role early in his NBA career. Could you paint a more Raptors as player? Like even that, just like not starting off as a star, role as a complimentary player, someone who can cut, someone who's a high energy guy, like all of it, it being effort and, and everything there. I guess the biggest question is, do you think that he would be available because of how high he's sort of climbing up everybody's boards? Do you believe that he'd be available at 13? Honestly, I feel like 13 might be his floor. I can't see him getting past the Raptors because he just fits. That would have been crazy to say a couple of months ago now, a couple of weeks ago even. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that he has done that you have to respect is that he's made a name for himself in big games, big pressure moments. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that maybe his, that he could go as high as nine to Utah. And then I say anywhere between nine, I think Dallas is probably going to choose somebody that they, if they don't trade it, that, that they feel like can come in and contribute right away. Right away. Which, yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's weird to me. Luca's like twenty three or twenty four, but people are acting like he's thirty four and and talking about it's like must win now. Yeah. Uh, the math should just go for the best young player available. Um. Oklahoma City. Thunder. I'm fine with them not doing that. What's that? I'm fine with the maps not doing that. Yeah. Uh, Find the oldest guy who can contribute, right? I'd trade the pick, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they offer a 10 for OG, do you do it? No. Okay. But that was quick. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
yeah no sorry sorry dallas okay yeah because i mean you keep hearing the rumors that he could be available and, and so on i saw like a, a memphis package but anyway um the thunder i mean they it wouldn't surprise me because he kind of fits you know their timeline and the type of players that they target and like Presty so likes yeah press yeah, your age it's gonna be one of them if it's not messiah you yeah. like too and and the reason I feel like Toronto is a spot that he could land because in my opinion I say there's maybe five GMs or decision makers in the NBA that can choose whoever they want when they want them. Masai's one, Sam Presti's the other. Uh, I think Danny Ainge is in that in in that category. Um, RC Buford for the Spurs, and then I I mean I guess who's ever officially running the Heat. So I, I would just say Pat Riley. Those guys have the job security to where they can swing for the fences. Yeah. And if they draft a guy that some people think is a reach in the lottery and it doesn't work out, they're not going to lose their job. Well, I think most GMs are going to kind of go along with the consensus. So if the guy works out, great. If he doesn't work out, then it's easy to say, well, everybody had him in this range. And so I think that's why Bilal could possibly go higher than 13 because Danny Ainge and Sam Presti are on the clock before the round. Those are the two that I'm scared of. Those are the two that I'm scared of there. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. That's interesting. Now. Okay. So let's, let's pivot. Cause there's a possibility that the Raptors don't get Bilal Koulibaly, which like maybe, maybe that's for the best. Actually, you know what? Just last couple of things on him. Now I know people hate doing this, but like if you had to give him a player comp, Mm. I know it's like the worst question, but. Yeah, it it. <laughs> man, you know, I've, I haven't thought about that. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I haven't come up with an answer. I've thought about it because it's been brought up to me before. Mm-hmm. But it's tough because it's like we still don't know who he, who he is. I mean, he's kind of he nowhere in a sense. And <laughs> I don't know. All right, it's you okay. know, I'm going to give one now. And oh. I, I don't – I think, like, the trajectory that Paul George made – but I think Paul made it as a sophomore at Fresno State, and that's when he took off. Bilal has taken off a little bit earlier as a late bloomer. And so I think when Paul first got in the NBA, he was known for being like an athletic defender, and then every year he just got better, turned into like a secondary playmaker, a good shooter. So even though I wouldn't say like – I mean, Paul is bigger – yeah. I think Paul is bigger. I think um, Bilal's wingspan may, may be similar, but I think he could have like a Paul George type trajectory in a sense as a athletic defender that just develops along the way into like this two-way complete player. And it did require a major injury to give Paul George the shot in the NBA uh, to, to have his breakout oh, yeah. at least with you that, with that MVP. Okay. <laughs> I try. I, I mean, there's Danny Granger. do not know who Danny Granger is. Oh, no, 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 no. I, of course, of course, of course. Okay. Not saying that I, I didn't think you knew your stuff, but, you know. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Those those Pacers teams have a special place in my heart. Um, like, I, I remember asking David West, I was like, Danny Granger, was that the trade that broke you guys? And he admitted, he was like, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was the picture. Well, no, he wasn't in that picture. Oh, that picture, too. Was he in that picture? <laughs> I just remember he George might have been. 
Lance Stevenson, Paul George. All I think all of them were in there. So I think yeah. I think David West is definitely in that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the Pacers are in B uh, uh, phase. All right. So if he isn't available at thirteen, and I'm knocking on wood because we're not speaking that into existence. Oh, so you guys, you really want him? I think so. Just because, like, it feels so Raptorsy at this point. I'm like, yeah, do it. But um. And I, probably... I don't cut you off. Yeah. I, I get why, because the Raptors haven't had a lottery pick to develop. Like they've been developing scraps in in a sense. Undrafted guys, um late you know, first round picks. Late first round guys. I mean a bunch second of second round guys. And so uh Scotty yeah. would be the only one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Precious was right outside the lottery, but he wasn't oh. a draft pick. And I was a big precious guy coming out of, when he came out of Memphis. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I get why because the Raptors have done such a great job developing from OG to Siakam to Van Vliet, and I mean, speaking of big wings who just sort of find their way, have those yeah. sort of breakouts. Yeah, I'm. That's I'm kind of scary it. for the league, though. It's it's really scary for the league if you're like, all right, they've developed all these guys that weren't even lottery picks. Give them a young athletic fast rising lottery pick and you know you might develop an all nba player which you, you did you turned siakam to an siakam two time two time all nba guy can um, i ask something real fast about siakam i live in dallas course. yes i am very life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Very involved in the Dallas youth basketball scene. Okay, okay. And had no idea that he went to high school in Dallas. That's how unknown he was. And I, I just did like a podcast about players coming from Dallas. And everybody can name, oh, yeah, Julius Randle, um, Marcus Smart. And so I always stump people when I say, you know, Pascal Siakam went to high school in Dallas. And nobody knows that. So that just shows how he came out of nowhere. Absolutely. And even when he got drafted, people were like, who? And I was like, times. All NBA two times, NBA champion. I mean, multiple time All Star. Yeah, his trajectory has been phenomenal, and like you said, all um, OG Ananobi also. I think his trajectory has been really great. He, of course, I think kind of dropped in the draft just because of injury concerns, um, but has looked stellar ever since. So yeah, the Raptors, the Raptors could do I think a phenomenal job developing a guy like Bilal, but like. Maybe it isn't the best thing that the Raptors get another one of these guys. Maybe what they do need is something that we've all been saying they need. They need some rim pressure. They need some shooting. They need 
some guard play. Um, so if Bilal Koulibaly is not there at number 13 and Masai Ujiri cannot get his guy, I'm just assuming that he's Masai's guy at this point. Like, there's been no indication that he is, but, like, Giannis yeah. was Masai's guy very, very hard. So, like, I, it, it just feels like Masai has guys... Uh, eh, we'll, we'll discuss that at another point. So let's, let's focus in on if they cannot get Bilal Koulibaly, who else do you project goes to the Raptors considering... Their overall needs is a guard. That's really who they should walk away with in this uh, draft. Yeah, I had mentioned Nick Smith before, and I guess there are some Raptors fans that didn't like that. And the reason why I think Nick Smith would be a good option is because if you go back to October, November, this past October, November, and if you polled NBA scouts across the league, who was the top player the top NBA prospect in college basketball. And I would say a good percentage of them would have said Nick Smith. Hmm. He was someone that was highly touted coming out of high school. I mean, I've heard some people tell me they thought he was the best player in the McDonald's game practices and even um, um, the hoop summit. But then he had like this knee injury that kept him in and out of the lineup. We don't really know all the details. We just heard right knee management. And he would play some, sit out, play, sit out, play, sit out. So I think people are um, not really realizing that how difficult it is to to keep a rhythm when you're coming in and out of the lineup. I think that played a major role in his inefficiency. He showed some flashes of why people were so high on him. And then um, another thing that I really like about him is that he could have easily just shut it down. Like he could have just said, you know what? I'm projected to go in the lottery. I know my draft range. I'm just going to shut it down. If he would have shut it down, honestly, if he would have shut it down in November or December, his draft stock would probably be higher because he's, you know, he would have been able to ride the wave that he had coming from high school in the grassroots circuit. And I get it. It's hard to unsee what you saw and people saw him as a guy that Arkansas just didn't really trust that much in the NCAA tournament. And I mean, that's kind of like their, their opinion is based off of what they saw. But I think with him being healthy, he'd he'd have a totally different situation. And I just thought he was in a weird situation at Arkansas, even if he was healthy with Anthony Black, you got two guys that are projected to be like ball handlers sharing the same role. And then Arkansas didn't have any spacing and so I, I think that Nick Smith is someone that you may be able to get in the back end of the lottery that if he were healthy, you would not have been in that range to get him. I mean, if the Raptors aren't scared of something, it's a knee injury that has someone out for a year and they bring him back. Um, it, it worked. It, it got you a championship, Toronto. Um, yeah. But OK, so that's interesting. So Nick Smith, and I, I know that like everyone wants to talk about case. And I, I mentioned this to Raphael before we started. Um, Amit will be doing something tomorrow. So please do check that out or even today, um, if I'm not mistaken. So do check that out. But Kaysen is another name. Do you expect him to sort of be around around 13 where the Raptors are expected to go? Or, or is he someone that probably you're just going to miss? You know, it's, it's weird. Um I actually used to film Kaysen when he was in fourth grade. I was a videographer for, you know, just a a team of fourth graders. And Kaysen just so happened to be on that team. So, so I mean, I've 
I've known him, and it's actually like Keontae George, like Anthony Black. Like when I go back and look at the film of these fourth graders, there's so many yeah. guys that are in this draft <laughs> that were like nine and ten years old on on my old footage. So I, I've known him for a while, and you know I speak to his to his dad. His draft range is weird, and I also feel like a lot of mocks are follow the leader. Right. So if ESPN will put him at eight, then all of a sudden everybody else is going to put him at eight. And so now you're starting to see that he's falling outside of the lottery on different mocks. Um, I don't know how true it is as far as like from a team standpoint, but I, I do think that he is the most, one of the most complete players in this class. He's a guy that if you go down like his, his strengths and his areas of concern, he doesn't really have the same glaring weaknesses as other guys, whether it's, some guys need to get stronger. Some guys really can't shoot. Some guys are gifted offensively, but they can't defend. Kaysen is kind of balanced all the way around. And one of the things I've heard from multiple people is that they say that a GM may pass on Kaysen because they think someone else has a higher upside, but every coach is going to choose Kaysen because they think he can come in and contribute right away right because away. of his defense. And, um, and then Kentucky guards just have a tendency to outplay their draft position. And so you know, hopefully teams don't make the same mistake they did with Tyrese Maxey, because I think in a redraft, he's a top five pick. For sure. For sure. That's, that's interesting, because I'm looking at where the Raptors are in terms of like guys who have the higher upside, or in the past, mm-hmm. the Raptors, like I mentioned, they've been a winning team for the last decade, so they haven't had very many lottery picks to go for. So they've gone with the highest upside, right? Like when you're taking a Pascal Siakam, when you're taking a Bruno Caboclo, right? No one's ever heard of him, and the footage looks like it's from, you know. A Blackberry. 1778, yeah. Definitely filmed on a Blackberry. Um, so, like, they, they tend to have gone with the with the higher upside guy, but these are picks that are in the 20s. When they've had lottery picks and they've had two under Masai Ujiri, Jakob Pertl and um, Scotty Barnes, and especially in the case with with Jakob Pertl, because it was a later lottery pick, I think he was 10th, if I'm not mistaken, they went with the safest bet. They went with someone who could sort of contribute almost as soon as possible as opposed to going for the high upside guy there. And so, like, I'm not basing this off of too much. Masai hasn't had very many lottery picks in his entire career, even going back to Denver. And so, like... Would you say, like, who would you say is the safest bet pick if we're sort of looking at Masai's track record, which is when you're in that teen area, you go for a safer pick at 13 as opposed to your high upside guy that you might just, you know, not have anything there? I'd say, I mean, Kaysen would probably be considered the safer pick just because, again, he's very well-rounded, but the knock on him is that he doesn't have the same upside as some of these other guys, and some people say he's not as athletic. And, uh, I mean, he's a really good athlete. He's just a guy that his game isn't based solely off athleticism. Like explosive. You know, it's funny, and and I'll say it because it's a Raptors show. My comparison to him, and people think I'm crazy, but I've called him baby Kawhi for years. And the reason I call him baby Kawhi is because he's a, a guy that is, doesn't talk much, very few words. He really likes to defend, has active hands. Now, he doesn't have like the Kawhi, you know, hand side, yeah. where finger on the ball from across the court. But he has active hands, strong hands, good at getting steals. And 
you know, like Kawhi is a really good athlete, but you don't ever hear, you know, him as like super explosive or right. you know, whatever, but he gets to where he needs to go. And Payson is a guy that he gets to his spots on the floor. He shot 59% on pull-up jumpers inside of 17 feet. That's a smaller version of Kawhi and he's a good shooter. So um, I think there's some similarities there. Obviously, if he ends up being half as good as Kawhi, that's, I mean, that's great. Um, but just the way he, he just you. goes about his business, I mean, he's not going to give you, like, great, like, content for interviews. And, and you know, he's not going to be on league fits or anything like that. But he's just a guy that goes about his business. He defends. And um, he can score, but it's not the flashiest, you know, he's not getting a lot of flashy points or highlight buckets. I think a team with OG and Kaysen could be great then. It would be fantastic. Bring Kawhi back. We could just have like no one speak ever, but you get the best content out of them anyway. <laughs> yeah. And well, so, I mean, he had Serge doing all the speaking the last couple of years. He was like the yeah, personality. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, okay. So I guess the, the, the final question that I will leave you with is, you know, um, without looking at your big board, because I didn't want to ruin it for myself, if you got to pick 13, you're in the room with Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri, and they're leaning on you, who do you think the Raptors should go with for their 13th pick? Of course, the caveat that that person is still, Victor Wembanyama, of course, <laughs> but like the yes. caveat that that person is still probably going to be there. What You don't have to give me one name, you can give me a few, but like just to sort of leave you off with, or leave the viewers off with, what name would you sort of pick or do you expect to see going to the Toronto Raptors? Well, if, if, if Bilal is available, Bilal. Over if, any guard, like considering that that's what they need. Yeah. But I, um, I, I just want to think that, um, you know, if you really needed to like, you know, get some guard help, you have what every team wants in the NBA, which is wings. And you would be able to. I don't to, want to part with any of them. That's yeah, the issue. I totally get that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I, I think it's a situation to where, let's say Portland is, you know, let's say Brandon Miller goes at number two. Oh, okay. And get Scoot. And, um, you know, Scoot is available for Portland at three. Are they really going to bring Dame, Scoot, and Ant Simons together? I don't think so. So maybe one of the wings that you don't want to part with could be in some type of deal but i'll be honest with you i'm a blazers fan when the last time we made a trade with y'all <laughs> y'all got the better <laughs> with the gary trench here's the thing i look at that and i'm like the do the raptors walk, look at that and think that they want it and it's like maybe if you compare it to the blazers who where is norman powell what did you guys get for him in the end anyway but like Raptors might just lose out on Gary anyway for nothing. And so it feels like that was a lose-lose. That was as close to a lose-lose as Masai has ever had. I think that might be his worst trade. I, I mean, I give him a win. Because, I mean, the Blazers ended up trading Got nothing. Yeah, Norman Powell for, like, Justice Winslow, I think. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean. Um, Hashtag you know, Justice better. A, he fans now. <laughs> but, I mean, like. I mean, Gary Trent was a second round pick that ended yeah. up being really good for Portland. So um, yeah. then yeah. they got rid of him trying to trying to win now. I think that was a huge mistake. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of I think we can go back and see a lot of <laughs> a lot of big mistakes uh, in the Portland era. It's tough. But like, do you want to give up Shaden Sharp? Because then I'd be able to talk. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can we Next. get our Canadian back? Click. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this conversation is done. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So Bilal, it would be your your ideal pick for the Toronto. Yeah, he'd be my ideal pick, and and I think either way, like if you're going to make room for him and develop him, you're probably going to have to move one of the wings anyway. So um, I can tell by your face that's probably not unless you just you can't want to play just... five wings. No, it, it, we tried, tried it. it. It did not work. It did not work. You um, need guards and you need bigs. So, like, even, like, Nick Smith would be someone that I really consider. There are some concerns, like, is he a point? Is he a one? Is he a two? I think he's just a ball player. But if yeah. he is not, like, a, you know, typical, like, playmaker, you got Scotty, who with his skill set, you can play, like, that combo guard and let them develop. It's kind of like Jamal Murray in a sense. The knock on Jamal Murray was he was a, you know, he was like a combo guard, but he wasn't necessarily a one. And you look at him now, especially what he's done in the in the finals with the assist, you're like, okay. I feel like that's been a thing where in the past, like the the term tweener was seen as like a bad thing. And I mm-hmm. think more and more we're starting to see the benefits of guys. Like I remember it's like, is he a three or a four? He's kind of a tweener. And now it's like, everyone wants a big wing. <laughs> like That's great. Like let's have more of those guys. And same thing with like, is he a one or is he a two? And the Raptors have sort of dealt with those guys fairly well. I think Fred Van Vliet is the perfect example of that. They started both Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet together. They had Marcus Ole, who was like a third point guard, except yep. in the seven footers body. So yeah, I, I think that like, um, despite the fact that they definitely need additional guard play, it doesn't necessarily have to be a true one. We can yeah. see that work because of Pascal Siakam's playmaking, because of Scotty Barnes' playmaking, and and if Fred VanVleet, if they manage to keep him him there as well. So yeah, it's just it would be shooting and and rim pressure. You don't have a a guard who can get downhill because Fred VanVleet is your only small guy, and he's under six feet tall. So yeah. <laughs> there's there's some there's some issues there. So is there like a um an explosive guard who can get downhill who you're like, that is someone who just in terms of their scoring could be someone that the Raptors could use. Yeah. There's a couple guys. Like I'm a big Keontae George fan and he had a really like crazy tournament and it was in Canada at the global jam last year. And I feel like when you watch that film, you see what Keontae is capable of. He wasn't like a three guard lineup at Baylor. And even though he was like big 12 freshman of the year, I felt like, he had more to his game that he could show, and then he dealt with an injury. But as far as rim pressure, a guy that could be available, and some may think it's a reach, but I think Masai has the luxury of being able to reach for whoever he wants, is Kobe Bufkin. And Kobe is actually, he's a sophomore, but he's younger than some of the freshmen. So he's younger than his teammate, Jet Howard. He went to college early, and he only averaged three points a game as a freshman. And then this year, he's up to like 14 points. But the reason why I think he could help Toronto is because he is also a player that doesn't have really glaring weaknesses. He's a good defender. He's a capable shooter. He can score. But he shot 71% at the rim this season. It's wild. It's wild, especially when you consider that college basketball isn't known for having spacing. It's like playing in a phone booth in a sense. So um, for him as a, a finisher that can get downhill, I think that he could fill the need for Toronto. And he's like, can he shoot though? 
I thought that was sort yeah. of the knock on him. He can? Okay. No, I mean, I think he shot about 36% from three, okay. which is respectable. Yeah. And it was on a decent volume of attempts. And he wasn't supposed to be Michigan's best player. Like, he was supposed to be their third best player coming into this season. And then, unless something drastic happens, I think he's going to be the first Michigan player off the board. And, and so, um, I just think, like, all right, what if they would have ran more stuff for him? So I, I think that he could be someone that can get downhill. And it's crazy because he's not like you know, he's not like the Thompson twins or Scoot as somebody that you just think of like this is just a phenomenal athlete that's just gonna blow by guys off the dribble. He can get, you know, he can like get by his man off the dribble. He's not like a tier one athlete, but he's just a crafty finisher. And honestly, if you look at the numbers, he's a better finisher at the rim than both Thompson Twins and Scoot Henderson. And it's, it's by a pretty yeah. good margin, too. I mean, 71%. If anyone were doing better than that, that's there's a, a lot of names to sort of bite on. I guess the last thing I have to ask you, because I think people would be really mad if I didn't, the number oh. one thing that I think everyone wants is shooting. If you're looking mm -hmm. for shooting specifically, what names are you looking at in this draft? Yeah, Grady Dick could be available from Kansas. He's 6'8" really good shooter. Jordan Hawkins, who I think arguably is the best shooter in this class, simply because he shot at a high volume, I mean, a, a high percentage on a good volume of attempts, but he is a really good shooter off the move. And he's not like a guy that was shooting 40% or 39% on catch-and-shoot standstills. He was coming right. off screens. And so I think that's valuable as far as just like the gravity. Movement shooter in Toronto, guys? Can we do it? Can we finally get one? Yeah, so he could be available... Jet Howard is a pretty good shooter. I mean, the son of Juwan, I want to say he shot about 36% from three. Doesn't rebound. He only averaged 3.4 more rebounds than me and you. But <laughs> he, he he doesn't rebound despite the fact that he's 6'8", 215. Um, he can provide shooting. Bryce Sensenball from Ohio State shot over 40% from three. So there's, I think this class is, is loaded with wings that can knock down open shots be really interesting to see what the Raptors brass decides to do considering we have no idea what the future of this team holds are they blowing it up or are they sort of making yeah. a move for next year I am a Bilal Koulibaly stan right now I really hope he falls to the Raptors please Presti you have Shay you don't need any more from us um <laughs> and and then please Ainge just leave us alone so it's, it's been enough Raptors Celtics has been enough we don't need you in Utah tormenting us to let Bilal Koulibaly fall to the Toronto Raptors thank you so much for joining me Raphael please tell everybody where they can find all of your amazing work yeah thanks for having me on like I said I've been following you for for a while now and I think you do really really good work I appreciate um, it yeah so I'm glad to be on anytime you want me on let me know we can make it happen um, but you can find me at uh, Locked On NBA Big Board. That's that's my podcast. It's five days a week covering the draft. And, um, yeah, it's, it's tough covering the draft five days a week. But we're, we're getting towards the end because I've been talking about these guys since – August <laughs> right almost there almost there yeah so usually I don't I don't that's why I don't need any notes I've been talking about these guys all you know the the last what nine ten months and then I have a a, a newsletter NBA big board it's a newsletter it's covering the draft I have intel you know just kind of stuff that I'm hearing from different agents and players and, and team personnel about draft rumors so um, I have big boards there and mock drafts and, and so on there so 
NBA Big Board, whether it's the the newsletter or the the podcast, that's where you can find me. And if you like draft stuff, I mean, I'm producing these seven to eight different draft content in a week, so I'm not hard to find. Perfect. I feel like all of our Raptor fans will definitely be in there because, hey, we got to care about the draft again. Hopefully we won't be here again, but if we are, we know exactly who to go to to find out everything about the NBA draft. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you.